hour number two of the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. Each and every Sunday evening we get together. We talk about the news of the week, often the events of our bizarre lives, and we do so in an entertaining, informative, and unique fashion. Tons to get to in the next two hours of the program as we broadcast nationwide on 20 different stations. We can be heard in 13 of the top 28 radio markets in this formerly great nation of ours. You can check them all out our website, www.freespeechbroadcasting. That's freespeechbroadcasting.com. Uh, before we go to the uh, Republican side and our weekly look at the race to the White House 2016, a couple very quick thoughts on the, the Democratic side and the field that is disintegrating uh, rather quickly now that Joe Biden has decided not to run and Jim Webb and Lincoln Chafee, as if anyone really cares, have decided nope. to drop out. Uh, one last thing on Joe Biden. Um, you know, this, I am going to be very curious to see what happens whether the media just ignores this revelation that the Bo deathbed story never actually happened, uh, as Biden has told 60 Minutes tonight. The Maureen Dowd was the reporter who gets credit from the New York Times for having reported that, although there there were some other outlets that also reported it. It was mm-hmm. it was reported a couple of weeks ago that oh by the way Biden himself was the source on that, but now he's downplaying that, saying, well, you know, nothing like the Hollywoodized version, the win one for the Gipper uh, version of this story ever really happened. And I don't recall, he didn't do very many interviews. He did one very high-profile interview with Stephen Colbert, which was basically a Monica Lewinsky job for him. Correct. Um, I don't remember him ever being asked directly about it or speaking directly about it. But there is no question that if, if only by not taking the opportunity to say, oh, by the way, as I, as I contemplate this, I want people to know that there was no dramatic deathbed moment with my son telling me to run. He did not do that. Uh, and he obviously had every opportunity to do that if he wanted to. So at the very least, he allowed a false story to fester because he thought it helped him politically. Gee, I wonder where they got that idea from. <laughs> Um, as if that's ever happened before. Uh, Hillary and he have a lot in common, I guess. But uh, the reality is that Joe Biden not running is a, a huge victory for Hillary, but not because Joe Biden was going to beat Hillary. I don't believe he was ever going to beat Hillary unless, you know, there was a complete catastrophe, an indictment, something like that, which isn't going to happen, especially not after this past week. To me, the part about this that really helps Hillary is that, it, I have always thought that any vote Biden got, whether it was 10, 20 percent, somewhere in that range, most of it was going to come out of Hillary, not out of Bernie Sanders. Right. So, so if, if Biden had, let's say, gotten 20, 25 percent, that would have meant that Sanders could compete with only 30, 35 percent, especially if a couple other guys stayed in. But now that it's going to basically be a two-person race, it makes it almost impossible for Sanders to really even threaten Hillary. Um, it's done. Yeah, I mean, and, and by the way, for the record, I think Sanders, and I stand by this, helped himself as far as his percentage of the vote in that first debate. But because Biden's not going to be in, he's never going to get past the threshold he needs, which is now over 50 percent because it's going to be a two person race in order to win. He can't get 50 percent against Hillary Clinton. So so there's not even going to be that huge scare. Now, could he 
pull an upset early on in Iowa, New Hampshire, yeah, it's possible. But, I, you know, it, it won't matter. It won't matter because Hillary will still have the ammunition to, to steamroll him. Uh, and, and in a two-person race, his percentage isn't going to be big enough uh, to be a major threat. So Hillary is going to be, again, barring indictment, as I've been saying for months, she's going to be the nominee and she's going to be really tough to beat, if not impossible, especially with a very disjointed and ununified Republican Party, which appears to be where we're headed with this. And, and here's the perfect example in the news that, that Hillary's going to win. I, and I hate saying it, but, you know, that's the path we're currently on. Something dramatic has to happen for that path to be shifted. All you need to know is that this past weekend, Katy Perry did a concert for Hillary with no inhibitions at all. I mean, she These even people pay- are just ridiculously stupid. Right. <laughs> Well, but, but I'm being very serious about this, Leah. No, uh, I know. And, and, I know. And, and you know, she put she tweeted a photograph of uh, her fingernails with the Hillary logo on them. So oh and so here here we have Katy Perry, very popular pop singer. Among she did the, Mary Russell Brand, so well, you know. Not that bright. Not, yep. not not real bright. There you go. Um, not that you know, lots of smart people make bad marriage decisions, but uh, Hello. That, that one was a bad one. Um, but but here's the deal. Here's why that is important. We live in a world where a Katy Perry can do this and get nothing but praise. Correct. M- meanwhile, Tom Brady gets found to have a Donald Trump make America great again hat in his locker room, and he has to do a full Mia Copa borderline apology. It's insane. So, so right there, you know, you can't. Trump cannot beat Hillary. It's not possible because celebrities are allowed with no inhibitions to do whatever they want for Hillary. Celebrities can't come near Trump. I I had not that this is the perfect example, but it's close. I had a school uh, teacher in Illinois uh, tweet a message to me this week that at his school, it has been deemed that Donald Trump Halloween costumes are insensitive and not allowed. Oh, it's just unreal. So, so it's how, just how unreal. can you possibly be elected president when kids aren't allowed to have you as a Halloween costume in school? It's not possible. It's Come on, crazy. people. Use your thinking caps here. All right. Now, when we come back, we'll get more uh, more substantively and specifically into the Republican side on the John and Leah show on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. Welcome back. This is the John and Leah show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. I broadcast from just north of Los Angeles. She's uh, in Alabama. We wanted to make sure we were in two entirely different places culturally. I think we accomplished that. Alabama and Los Angeles being about as different as you can possibly be. And together... Yes, I'm in the U.S. (laughs) Yes, you're still in the United States. I'm in some... I'm in the northern capital of South America, as uh, Los Angeles Mm -hmm. referred to itself in its Olympic bid. 
That's right. Um, all right. So uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, the uh, the state of the Republican race for the White House in 2016. Just to be clear, uh, there are only two scenarios now where I will be remotely satisfied with what ends up transpiring. Okay. Uh, the, the first scenario, uh, which actually includes the opportunity to potentially beat Hillary Clinton, is there's still one left. There is one left. Yes, I, there's one left, but it's not the one that I'm rooting for the most because I think it's got the less amount of chance of happening and it's it won't be as satisfying. Um, but there is one left, and that is that somehow uh, Trump crashes and burns in Iowa. His aura of invincibility dissipates. Uh, Marco Rubio emerges as Jeb Bush has uh, dropped out of the race. And he fends off Ted Cruz from his right. Marco Rubio somehow wins the nomination in a way uh, where Donald Trump is not able to sabotage him, which is a huge if. And, uh, and you know, everything goes well from there. And somehow he ekes out a victory over Hillary Clinton. That is possible. And, you know, from, from a state of the country perspective, that's the one that I would pick first. But because it's not that likely, the second scenario is the one that I'm rooting the hardest for, which is that Donald Trump crushes everybody in Iowa, New Hampshire, romps to victory, wins the nomination, so that there is no ambiguity. There is, so when he goes down in flames in the general election, there is no ambiguity about how and why it happened and who is to blame, uh, because that's my greatest fear. See, my greatest fear here is that somehow Trump doesn't win the nomination and we end up either with a damaged Rubio or somebody else where the the right wing nut jobs and the frauds and the conservative media can claim, well, see, you didn't do it our way. And that's why we lost again. If we had just used Trump, we would have won. Bullcrap. Um, <laughs> that's not. But that's what they'll say. So I want there to be no ambiguity. If you want to, let's go let, Let's go with Trump. Let's have fun with this. Let's burn it all to the ground. And we'll just enjoy ourselves until uh, next November and the hilarity of it all. And then we'll have eight years of Hillary Clinton. That's the second scenario or first, depending on what way you want to look at it. All other scenarios I'm going to be miserable with. Okay. Now, now, um, now, let's talk about Trump. Um, Trump is in a very fascinating situation. Because in some ways, his polling has never been better. Uh, there was a poll out today, CBS, in New Hampshire. Donald Trump has more than three times the support of the second place person, which is Ben Carson, who's never held any office of anything, never run anything more than a medical office. Uh, it, it's unbelievable. It is unbelievable. <laughs> and, and it's probably somewhat true. However, um, what's interesting is that in Iowa... It appears as if Trump is coming back down to earth. And, you know, it's funny. The conventional wisdom is always wrong because most people who make the conventional wisdom are idiots. But it's very true. (laughs) But there's also a self-fulfilling prophecy or anti-prophecy when it comes to the conventional wisdom. In fact, it's I thought I thought it was rather funny that this was the week when the establishment, the conventional wisdom started to think, oh, 
you know what, Donald Trump. Maybe he can win. Maybe he really can win. And Chris Wallace uh, said recently he could see him as president of the United States. Britt Hume said, I don't know if I can go that far, but I can see him being the nominee. And there were polls of GOP insiders saying, boy, they think he's really got a shot. And literally, the moment that became the conventional wisdom, everyone jumped off. And I don't think that that's a coincidence. I really don't. I think that there is a sliver. I don't know what the n- number is, Leah. Tell me if you think I'm wrong on this. I think there are there's a sliver of Trump's support that if it really becomes clear he's going to win, they might go, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. I didn't exactly. Really, I didn't really mean this. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> don't you think? I, don't you, I, I totally think. Okay. I totally think. And, I, and, it's, and, and what's interesting is that there were three polls out this week in Iowa. Actually, there were four. One that showed him tied. Three showed him behind. Carson, uh, which is just amazing to me. But... Um, and and now Trump is apparently losing in Iowa. Now, there's a still a long way to go, but the fact that yes. he's losing altitude in Iowa is incredibly important. And one of the many ways that the conventional wisdom is wrong is the conventional wisdom is Iowa and New Hampshire don't mean that much this year, uh, this in this particular cycle. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. In my view, I don't think I can ever remember Iowa and New Hampshire meaning more because for one candidate, Donald Trump. And here's why. Donald Trump's entire appeal is, I'm a winner. I'm a winner. Follow me. I'm magic. I get things done. If after all this hype, after all this time, after all this front-runner status for months and months and months, in the first contest, he goes down to defeat, that's gone. No, because then he'll just spin it as those people are stupid. uh, That won't work. That that is not going to work. Now, he may... You know, it all depends on how it goes down. I mean, if it's a close victory and he handles the defeat well and New Hampshire does have a tendency to do the opposite of Iowa, he could bounce back in New Hampshire. But I think there is a very good chance that that his entire aura of invincibility dissipates. He becomes Tiger Woods post, you know, this the, the uh, sex scandal uh, that all of a sudden he's just a normal guy. And and at that point, I think he fades fast. So. That and, and interestingly, Trump, I think, is making a mistake by going after Ben Carson personally, which, which he's done in the last few days, going after his religion, which I can yep. kind of sort of see why what he's trying to do there. He's trying to feed Iowans information that Ben Carson is a Seventh Day Adventist, and they're like, "What? Um, I didn't know that." So I understand that, but. See, I don't think you go after Carson the same way you go after Jeb. It's, I, he's been brilliant going after Jeb the way that he has, Trump has been. But with Carson, because he's so likable. That's right. Uh, I don't think you go after him hard. I think you actually damn him with faint praise. If I was advising Trump, I would have said, Donald, while you're still clearly the alpha, make Ben your beta. He'll embrace being your beta. Say what a wonderful vice president he would make. And Carson's such a nice guy. He'd probably go, gee, thank you, Donald. I really appreciate that. Make him your VP. I mean, either underground or or overtly in public say, I think we'd make a great team. Because Carson doesn't have the personality to overcome that. Um, Don't you think? Am I right on that? I'm not sure. Anyway, we'll get more into this when we return on the John and Leah show right here on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network.
Welcome back. This is the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. This is the program where we always have the eye of the tiger. Completing our weekly look at the race of the White House 2016 with a few more thoughts on what's going on on the Republican side. Uh, Lee, I don't know if you saw this, but it's uh, up on the Drudge Report that uh, Donald Trump has said that this morning on one of the uh, morning shows that the world would be better off if Saddam Hussein and Muammar Gaddafi were still in power. Um, right. Which is interesting. It's, hindsight's easy. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> that's the way Trump works. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I, see, but here's what I find interesting about this. Now, this is one of the more consistent statements from Trump, who has been incredibly inconsistent. I mean, it's as if ancient history for Donald Trump is what he said like a half hour ago um, in, <laughs> That's in, this, right. in this campaign. Um, but at least here he was against the Iraq war. But what's fascinating and why I mention this is this puts the news media in a very odd position because the news media— They love that point of view. Well, yeah. I mean, in order for them to criticize Trump— that Saddam Hussein, you know, we would be better off with Saddam Hussein still in power. That's what Trump said. Mm-hmm. In order to criticize that, you have to say that the Iraq war was valid, right? Don't you? Yes. Remotely logic. I mean, I realize that logic doesn't really necessarily mean anything anymore. But to be remotely logical, for you to criticize Trump on that, you have to say that the Iraq war was justified because we got, it, we got Saddam Hussein. Right. And they'll never do that. No. So they're in a weird spot on this. And it'll be curious. At least I'll be curious to see uh, how they handle that. And also, you know, these are statements that ordinarily would doom somebody in a Republican presidential primary. But with Trump, they don't seem to matter. Um, and it'll be curious. It'll be interesting to see if that uh, continues. But that leads me to the next subject. The Iraq war obviously leads to Jeb Bush. And. To me, from a human standpoint, obviously the Trump story is the most amazing thing that's ever happened in the history of Republican presidential politics, at least to this point. Um, But from a human standpoint, what's going on with Jeb Bush fascinates me, Uh, especially um, the fact that this week, and by the way, Trump mocked him for this, saying that he had to go see mommy and daddy. Yes. uh, There's apparently a a big uh, Bush powwow uh, where George W., George Herbert Walker Bush, and most interestingly, Barbara Bush, as well as other big-time Bush fundraisers, are all meeting to discuss the crisis in the Jeb Bush campaign. Why don't they just talk him out of it? Come on. They, he has not a shot. Well, let's first of all examine that. I agree with you, and here's why he has no shot. The entire premise of his candidacy was, well, first of all, delusion that somehow he was the right person to go up against Hillary. He's the, he's the, the absolutely the worst person, just because of his name, to go up against Hillary Clinton. But, uh, but the premise was that with all his money and establishment connections and support, he could intimidate the rest of the field, win <laughs> early, and then either dominate or win a long slog. Well, once again, they're right again. Right. They were. They could not have miscalculated more. Um, and now, I mean, what's most most to your point, Leah? is that the guy whose main attribute was his money. I mean, we've often referenced this as the bachelorette, right? Or the bachelor mm-hmm. in this case, the TV show, the bachelor, where we're trying to figure out which bachelor we want to, we want to hook up with. 
um, if if the one if Jeb's only calling card is I got the most money, and now all of a sudden he ain't rich anymore, though he's got to cut back 40, 45 percent of his campaign. Yes. If, if that's all you cared about, if if, that, if you wanted the rich guy, you went with Jeb. Well, he's not the rich guy anymore. So why would we go with him now? I mean, I'll take the short guy who's cuter. Right. Well, especially when the rich guy doesn't have his money anymore and he's not going to be able to get any more money because no one's going to contribute to a a campaign that's going nowhere. And, of course, one of the things that the Bushes are finding out the hard way, and I see this all the time, where especially people who believe in conspiracies, they, they tend to think that, you know, there's this these web of connections and. And that, you know, there's a group of people that decide everything that's going to happen in the world. And no. one, of, one of the words that these people tend to just disregard is the word former. And when you're former President Bush and former Governor Bush, as is Jeb, guess what? People don't tend to do things for you as easily. No, you've got nothing. Because you can't do anything for them, really. There's very Mm -hmm. little you can do for them. So, therefore, everything you thought... And and you know who nailed this? And, And you said, who can convince him to drop out? The only person who can convince him is the person who nailed this from the beginning, Barbara Bush. Barbara Bush said on the Today Show he shouldn't run. And she said... Exactly this. She said, he'll get all of our enemies and half our friends. Exactly. And he didn't even get half the friends uh, because things didn't go very well. So what I would love to know (laughs) is what kind of muzzle are they going to put on Barbara at this meeting? (laughs) Because you know she doesn't care. She's the grandma who just doesn't care what she says. And, you know... Oftentimes she says things that sound like lunacy, but every yeah, once but, in a while. I mean, look, at some point, they all, they're not all delusional. This powwow should be, Jeb, listen, uh, you gave it a good shot. You're going broke. You don't have a shot. Drop out and save us a little dignity. See, but here's here's the problem. Only Barbara has an incentive to say that because, you know, let's face it. George Bush, 41, is, what, 91 years old? He's yeah. near death. Uh, he loves his son. He he was president. He saw his son get elected against all odds during you know the whole Florida recount thing. Who knows how with it he really is. He's not in a position of strength to say, Jeb, drop out. George W. probably has enormous guilt because he was – president for eight years when he was supposed to be the stupid one jeb was supposed to be the smart one right yeah well so, so guess what <laughs> so, so no but in all seriousness as a brother george w's in no position to say jeb drop out because then he's an a-hole right because he's the one that was president for eight years and now he's going to tell jeb to drop out that ain't going to work just from a human standpoint barbara can say because she's already said it publicly, and because she's the yeah. mom and she doesn't care. God love her. She doesn't care. She's the only one, in my opinion, that can pull the plug on this. Now, I don't know her state of mind. I mean, they did a basically a hostage Skype video with her, uh, which we mocked a couple of months ago, where she essentially claimed to have changed her mind and said, I, I think it's okay for you to run now, which... You I, know, mama knows right all the time. Mom Take her does. at her first word. Yeah. No, no, 
Barbara was right, and um, and she, I, I'm hoping that she'll say the same thing to Jeb because he is a key. This is this is more than just an academic exercise at this point. He, how and when Jeb Bush drops out, assuming that does happen, which it should happen, could happen very shortly. But you know, especially after, by the way, he, he did you see the statement he made in South Carolina yesterday? He said. I could be doing a whole lot of really cool things. Cool things. Other than running for president. <laughs> now, hey, go do it. Do some windsurfing, Jeb. Does that really explanation s- point? Does that s- <laughs> does that explanation point? Does that sound like a guy who's in this for the long haul? Uh, no, not at all. But 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 how and when he drops out is critical, because how and when he drops out will determine whether there's a path for Marco Rubio. And and as I mentioned already earlier in this hour, that's the only path that I think still has a shot, although it's less than 50-50, uh, because of Trump, frankly, um, because I think Trump would sabotage Marco Rubio if he had the opportunity. We've, he's already made that very clear. But it, it, if this is done properly and Jeb swallows his pride and does what Scott Walker did, which was to see the handwriting on the wall and mm-hmm. say, look, I'm going to do what I think is best for the country. and well, says, That should have been happening a month ago. <laughs> yeah, but these are huge egos, Leah. You have, That's right. That's you, what's going on. They're in a bubble, and they've got huge egos. When your father has been president with your you got to remember, Jeb, let's face it, Jeb probably thinks of George W. as kind of a nitwit, right? I mean, it's his little brother. It's not his little brother, but his brother is not supposed to be as smart as him, right? right. So so the, the idea in, in his mind is, well, this can't be that tough. We're Bushes. This is supposed to be easy. This is what happens in our lives. We become president. Uh, so I, I'm willing to give some slack for that bubble that they're living in, even if Barbara's inside the bubble and the only one telling the truth. Um, But it is critical. It is critical that Jeb do understand this uh, ASAP and and get out in a way that allows Marco Rubio a path. Um, uh, Because if he stays in, that path is very difficult. Even if he gets out, it's going to be a difficult path for Rubio because Rubio still has to deal with Cruz and has to wait for Carson to implode, and then he has to beat Trump in a one-on-one, which I think Rubio does beat Trump in a one-on-one battle. Um, but And let's just hope that Jeb doesn't endorse Marco Rubio, or then it's just over for him. <laughs> Yes. Do your endorsement behind closed doors, Jeb. Thank you. Yes. If, if in fact, uh, we do get the, the right outcome here, which would be uh, Jeb to withdraw. All right. Uh, when we come back, uh, I'm going to let uh, Leah Brandon vent a little bit about the fact that it appears as if Paul Ryan is going to be the next Speaker of the House. Then we will move on to other uh, topics, including the uh, sex scandal at the University of Louisville, which I'm fascinated by and I do need to speak about since we're on in Louisville on WHAS, my old uh, radio station there, uh, a station on which I actually uh, spoke about this uh, subject earlier this week uh, with my uh, old nemesis, uh, Terry Miners. We'll get to all that more on the John and Leah show right here on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. John and Leah show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. In this segment, we'll finish up the uh, political news of the week. 
And uh, among the political news is the apparent reality that Paul Ryan is going to be the new Speaker of the House, which no one would have predicted uh, a month ago, that's for sure. Although um, you know, a lot of strange things have happened. John Boehner decides to resign. <laughs> Kevin McCarthy shoots himself in the foot. Uh, all sorts of uh, panic ensues. And now it looks like Paul Ryan, which has Leah Brandon rather upset. So, Leah, why don't you tell us about that? Okay, so last week, uh, Congressman Paul Ryan was convinced to run for election, or at least to be in the election for Speaker of the House. He has said emphatically and repeatedly that he didn't want the job, but now all that's changed and he wants it. But his definition of the job comes with many conditions that the conservative Freedom Caucus has apparently caved to. Uh, One of those was to make it so that voting the speaker out couldn't be done. Jim Jordan on Fox News Sunday with Chris Wallace had this to say. And by the way, Jordan is the head of the Freedom Caucus. Just two weeks ago, as head of the Freedom Caucus, you were saying that you were going to demand all kinds of assurances from Ryan about changing House rules, almost none of which you got. I guess the question is, so why are you supporting Paul Ryan? Well, we, we do have a commitment from Paul to work on changing the rules, and we may get even some of those changed before uh, the vote this, this coming uh, Wednesday and Thursday. There you go, folks. That now is what you hope for. We're talking to him. We're going to demand it, but you don't get it. So we're going to talk to him about it after we elect him. <laughs> Are you saying that there there might not be much leverage at that point? Is, is, is that your, is that your concern, right. Leah Brandon? That's exactly uh, right. You must work in radio because uh, that's, <laughs> that's the way it works. You know, you cannot rely on any promises because uh, no. human beings suck, um, especially in politics. Look, you and I differ on this um, because I don't see the problem with Paul Ryan at all. In fact, to me, uh, I see Paul Ryan as the only alternative that was left, Uh, because if you had anybody else, you were going to have chaos. Ryan at least can steer the ship. What is your concern with Paul Ryan? Well, I have a few concerns with Paul Ryan. I think Paul Ryan is completely overrated. Maybe. I think okay. I think that it's because he's young uh, and somewhat attractive that the GOP just goes to him. Because remember, here's the guy that's going to balance the budget uh, when he was running with Mitt Romney. And he was this young guy and he was such a brainiac. And then he presents this budget and it balances over 30 years. And it's really not that great. He also had an alternative for Obamacare. <laughs> Where did that go? It seems to me that he's all promise and no delivery, which is exactly what John Boehner was. Well, you and I differ on that because I I think Boehner did as good a job as anybody could under the very difficult circumstances that he faced. See, I'm somebody who always looks at the situation and goes, okay, how could it possibly be better and could it be much worse? And to me, uh, doing the math, Boehner was under very, very difficult circumstances. Now, as far as Ryan is concerned, you might be right that he's overrated, but at the very least, he's been through a, a presidential campaign. He, you know, he didn't wet himself. 
he is he's basically up to that kind of a challenge. He's not going to wilt in front of the cameras. He's not going to do a McCarthy, <laughs> which Good was which, which before he even got the job was to <sighs> to screw himself and screw the entire Benghazi the investigation. First microphone that right. comes in right. Front so of at him. the very at the very least, he's he's of. <laughs> Of that kind of timber, right? I mean, so you know, he, he's of the right ilk to be uh, to that level of leadership. And and for those who say, well, he's pro amnesty. I know Glenn Beck was all upset, and um, you know, I, I think Laura Ingram, maybe some other right wing conservative talk show hosts, who all they really care about is creating chaos because it's good for them and ratings, and they can their audience, they can pretend to be speaking for them the voiceless ah, arr, arr, no compromise uh, the reality is that okay even if paul ryan is pro amnesty the fact that he's known as pro amnesty makes him unable to do anything on the issue of amnesty that's the way politics works you're actually much more vulnerable if you got a border hawk in there who for some reason decides to make a deal thinking that they're the smartest guy in the room ryan has publicly stated that obama is not to be trusted on immigration and therefore there's no chance of any deal on anything related to immigration so that's off the table that's okay the- that's not really i think the amnesty that people are worried about that it's more of the uh, the TPP, which is nothing but amnesty, uh, which really uh, we won't have any say in it. And he's very quote pro business, so I think that's where that comes from. But so is Marco Rubio. So who look? I, I just don't think. I think it's over. <laughs> I well, mean, well, in the broader no picture, in the broader picture, we both agree it's over. We're we're really just arguing about when the Titanic goes down, how it goes That's down, right. how pleasant right. the sinking is. Uh, and whether or not there are any life rafts around. One, I mean, that, that's really what we're arguing about. To me, Paul Ryan extends the sinking, you know, at least a few minutes, um, <laughs> because he he's not going to send us into economic chaos by a default or something like that. The stock market is, I think, in the next few months, probably going to go up, uh, largely because they feel safe with uh, Paul Ryan as uh, Speaker of the House. And, um, and, and, and I think at the very least, you're going to have somebody – of of some modicum of competence in that position. And of course, what I've always said about the Boehner thing is tell me who you got that'll be better. I and, wanted Trey Gowdy. But he was never a candidate. Some, so number the number one qualification is <laughs> you, you said <laughs> you said he was Paul Ryan wasn't either. Okay. The only reason but, he's in there is because everybody wanted him to go in there. Because there was he's no probably Boehner light. Not because there was no other option as i've said before i'm you know i'm married now with a kid i love my wife i love my kid i can't stand being married on numerous occasions on every single day to the point where i like to blow my brains out but (laughs) but the frustration level is off the charts okay much like conservatives with boehner or maybe with ryan but unless you have a situation that's better for you and your family you stick with what you got No, I think that the process to get a new speaker was not straightforward. Okay, I mean, that's... Okay, that's okay. politics. So, that's politics. So listen, so so we, we're not playing fair. We don't have a chance to actually get somebody that we want. So they're going to stick us with somebody but, that they want but, and make us happy no, 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 for no, no, it. No, 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 no. And here's where... This is the fundamental um, divide that you and I have. 
You keep saying we. Yes. Your we only has 40 or 50 votes out of hundreds. You don't get to have your way with only 40 or 50 votes. Then I should pay only 30 or 40 percent of what they want me to pay for taxes. How about that? That's that's not particularly sound logically. I am 100 (laughs) percent. Of a citizen, and I should have my representative. All right, hour number three of the John and Leah show as I try to figure that one out when we come back on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network.